When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. When we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people. I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Chilani. North. Elding. 3-2. They'll be looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! 1-1. One, one. It's brilliant. 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 Here comes Quigley. Okay, episode 41 of the Bitter Edge Supporters Trust podcast uh, brought to you by the White Hag Brewing Company. I will be speaking a good bit more about the White Hag uh, throughout the duration of the show and with thanks to Barry Creed solicitors, Sligo and Dublin. So um, we are just off the back of the event that we ran in uh, the White Hag, um, our day out uh, in Ballymote, which was great. We'll talk about that. Also coming up on the show um, we speak to St. Pat's fan Nathan Doyle ahead of the game in the showgrounds on Friday evening. And there was a big announcement uh, from the showgrounds this week. Uh, they are hoping to enter a team into the Women's Senior League for 2022. And um, we speak to Conor O'Grady, the head of uh, Academy at uh, Sligo Rovers, about that and about what they hope to do. And we also speak a little bit more uh, to Conor about what he's done so far. And um, um, the successes that we've had there uh, at underage uh, in relation to all the teams and um, and some of the players that we're bringing through. So as usual, well, not as usual, we've got um, we've got Jerry O'Connor with us. Uh, Jerry, how are things? Super, Connor. Cheers. And uh, we have Sean Dunn. How are things, Sean? All good, Connor. Still recovering with a hangover, but still good. Yeah, yeah. And we have um, <laughs> lightweight. We have um, we're coming to you from Zoom. It's uh, we're recording on Wednesday evening. And Magoo is having some technical issues at uh, his end, so he uh, we're hoping that he'll be able to uh, sort those out and join us in due course. But uh, first thing first, we had a hugely successful uh, day out in the White Hag. Uh, it was a fundraiser that was run by the Trust. Um, we sold 60-plus tickets for the event, and we had close to 60 out there. Uh, and, uh, well, what can we say, Jerry? It was it was a massive success. Oh, it was absolutely fantastic, Connor. Um I think everybody really, really enjoyed it. And it was like, um, I suppose, like a, an away day, one of the best away days ever without any of the pressure of, you know, Rovers getting a result or something like that. And uh, yeah, like the feedback we got was just like, like I was saying the last day, you know, about the symphony of dance. Yeah, People that weren't there said, they, oh, they're, they're raising the missus. And the people that were there just can't wait to get back. And uh, look, it's hopefully it's something we can do again in the, the future. Um, because it was it was just one of the best days I ever. It was such crack. Yeah, and there was the, that sense of people coming together as well um, on the back yeah. of COVID, and you know we've all had such um, you know um, secluded uh, a secluded year or so. So there was a real sense of relief when, when we got together, and you know we met up in O'Neill's on Churchill beforehand, and we got on the train. There was a there was a real sense of excitement. There was a real buzz on the train going out, and uh, that was uh, increased on the way back home. <laughs> for some reason there was a it was a real atmosphere, real, really great atmosphere in the train the way home. So that was that was really good. Yeah, it was it was such fun. Um and everybody, as you said there, look, it was a great sense of togetherness and I suppose relief and kind of new horizons and things like that. Everybody was absolutely buzzing. I'd never seen 60 people, you know, put in a room, and I know it was a brewery. <laughs> so that has to account for a lot, but 
like to be in such good form, it was just like amazing. And even lads that were going out were like, oh, you know, what's kind of, why dad, oh, Jesus, you know, they nearly thought they were going to get purple potions and things like that. But dad, uh, they got over that fairly quickly. They did, yeah. I tell you, the, the, the points of stout were going down, uh, good old, uh, along with the, the lager and the IPA and all that. And so it was a brilliant, it was brilliant for everybody. It was brilliant for the White Hag to show their products, their mainstream products, um, to, to, to just regular football fans. I, I think everybody was really, really delighted with what was on offer. Yeah, and a massive thanks to... Um, How many sandwiches? Well, Jerry, Jerry... The, sent that. The, the night before... Uh, Jerry was sending messages into our WhatsApp group of uh, mounds and mounds of sandwiches. And at the time, I was thinking, that's ah, fair play to Jerry. Like, you know, he's really, he's really, uh, really put in a big, he's putting in a big effort there, isn't he? But I can tell you that, you know, whatever it was about uh, half five, half time in the game, or maybe just, yeah, around that time in the Ireland game, the sandwiches came out. And I'd say, you know, there might have been, uh, there might have been 100 or 200 sandwiches. They didn't last too long. No, they were gone. There wasn't scrap left. And the, Sostros as well and all that were gone yeah. so um, I think yeah it was nice to get something like that in the middle of it all so um, yeah just, Doyle just... wouldn't have a look in with you who? Yeah. Mrs Doyle wouldn't have a look in with no. you <laughs> no yeah um, so just a massive thanks to uh, the White Hag uh, Bob Coggins out in the White Hag and Leanne uh, who looked after us so well on the day and um, listen we really want to do something like this again and um, we think it'll be you know as good as it was last Saturday we kind of believe that it could be you know twice as good um, if we do it again now that people have an idea like there was people coming up to me on the day who were involved in food you know chefs saying you know if I had known what was going on here if I if, if I know now if I you know if I knew what, <laughs> what, what we we're going to be doing I'd be here doing food with hot plates and yeah. yeah. So we're looking to hopefully we'll we can do it again, and if we do do it again, we'll do it bigger and better. And you know, sold sixty tickets last uh, Saturday or for last Saturday. We think we'd easily double that. Um, Absolutely. On the back of it, Jim. So um, as I said, we're going to speak to uh, Nathan Doyle, St. Pat's fan, um, a little later on uh, ahead of the game on um, ahead of the game of Friday evening in the showgrounds, uh, a game that will have. Um, you know, at least 2,000 people there. I suppose that's what we're looking at um, with the the increase in capacity uh, at venues around the country. So that'll be great. But before we talk about that, um, we look back on um, the the draw in, in Drogheda uh, last weekend. Uh, Sean, what were your overall thoughts on that game? We got to see Andre Wright. Um, I suppose, you know, it, it, it wasn't a bad performance all in all. The draw is definitely uh, welcome in the context of, you know, the seven games that went before that. Uh, but what were your thoughts? Um, nice to not lose a game for a change, for starters. Uh, apart from that first half, we were okay. Thought we were decent in spells, not amazing by any means. Um, throughout the whole game, we kind of looked like a team that just didn't want to lose more than a team that wanted to win. It was nearly just make sure we got a point on the board they weren't great. We could have done an awful lot more. Attacking wise, I thought we were blunt enough. Um, Andre Wright was a real, a real plus of the whole night. I thought he was excellent until he tired out. Then in about the what sixty fifth minute, you could really see his legs were kind of starting to fade underneath him. Um, I think Kenny should have been brought in a wee bit earlier as well. But look, initially, to look at a, a draw isn't the worst result in draw had a. But we still we we need to get a win somewhere. Jerry, 
Um, would you go along with that? I mean, I suppose we can't be asking too much of Andre Wright at this stage. Obviously, you know, we need to score more goals. Um, but were you happy with what you saw from him? He, he got involved. He was where he was, you know, picking up positions, I suppose, where you wanted to see him picking up positions. Or, or was he? Yeah, in, in the first half, I thought he was. Um, he was like the quintessential centre forward in the first half. Um, and the second half, I thought he started kind of drifting into areas that I suppose we didn't really want him to, to go into. But I think that was a little bit of frustration on his part, trying to pick up the ball and trying to make things happen. Um, like Looking back on the game, I thought the defense, obviously McGinty didn't have too much to do, but his normal, whatever he did have to do, he, he done well. The defense were absolutely exceptional, really, really good. Midfield were terrible. And I think that's why Wright started to drift into areas to pick up the ball because he just wasn't getting a good enough service. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it looked like to me. And that's that's been our downfall. Midfield. Say that again, Sean. Far too slow on midfield on the ball. Yeah, and that's been that's been their downfall for a while now. So we're trying to, you know, that 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 connection between um, like we've pitched loads of ideas of potential what we could be doing to try and link up midfield with uh, the attacking um, front three. Uh, we've come up with lots of different names, um, but that's I suppose that's still a, a working project, a working process. Yeah, like I, I couldn't even figure out the, the the formation for half the game. Um or what formation we were playing. It was just narrow, narrow four three three. Yeah. We were a narrow four three three. Walter and Ryan were tight to, to Andre and then it was the three boys in behind and they, they looked like a flat line in the middle, so they did really. Yeah. But even having said that, Sean, like I know like we might have been flat four three three, but the three up top Still never got close enough to um to write my you know no too much of a distance between them and I don't know like I just think you know is it a four three three or four five one and I know it depends whether you're attacking or defending and I totally agree with you when you're saying about the formation but I still don't think it wasn't a very good four three three and I suppose as you're saying like the middle three were just flat I'm I'm a bit confused to be honest at this stage. No, I I'd, I'd agree with the two with the two lads not being close enough to Andre. They didn't give enough support. He had to take a few touches of the ball before they were even close to him to try and yeah. lay something off. So where when you're playing something like that, you need to be in around them. It needs yeah. to be one two touch. And we weren't able to get that. And we made it easy for Drahada in that regards then because they were able to there was two centre halves on Andre right all the time. And then you had a defensive midfielder coming in helping out then on top of that. And even yeah. at that, he was still keeping the ball and he was getting away from them. Yeah, times. he was. He yeah. was exceptional at times the other night. Yeah. yeah. He's exactly what we needed, but nobody got close to him to, for, to benefit from it. Like, so, yeah. and, I don't and, and, and the same problem, and we've seen it with um, with Romeo and other players in that position, they end up coming too deep looking for the ball. And, yeah. you know, we can get on the ball, we can get the that kind of central player on the ball as much as we want, but there's too much work to do with, at that stage, I suppose, to... to um, you know, to, to be more creative and to get your Johnny Kennys or Walter Figueres or whoever it might be. I mean, you know, the Vries was quiet again. It was another it was another game that was very difficult for him, I suppose, because, well, why, why was it difficult for him? Well, he's worked, he, like, he worked hard in the game, but when he was on the ball, he didn't do much on the ball. He, I don't feel like he got into the game. He did work hard out of possession. He was pressing people and everything like that, but just not enough on the ball, not offering anything. So 
yeah and it's, it's not like we were playing one of the top it's not like we were playing one of the top sides either like we were yeah draw to draw, and they were even weak like they were a weak draw to side I, I just thought like geez if we ever had a, a chance to beat them up there look I know we beat them before up there but yeah. this season if we had a chance like that was it like and you know it's just uh, I don't know I mean, we did have a chance like in the first half and all that but just as the game wore on it just looked like less and less that we were going to score really like yeah, and I think that, like the re- the momentum really petered out of the game. In the second half, I was sitting on the couch and I was going through some working emails. Like you know, that's how my, my interest had kind of had gone elsewhere. Like you know, because I just didn't feel no matter how long we were there, there wasn't a huge amount going to happen. And we were also playing a draw to United team that was, um, you know, it was missing some of their kind of their their as you were saying, Jerry, it was a, a, a chance to kind of capitalise with Gary Deegan missing and, and things like that. But, right. um, they're, on, they're on just a bad run. I'm sorry, they got the win against Dundalk, but they were on just a bad run as us before that as well. So they're low on confidence. Yeah. yeah. Um, McCourt back in, uh, Sean. Did you was there positives in that regard? Matt, he was brilliant. He was actually he didn't look like he missed a beat. Honestly, everything he was on point for a huge amount, and it might sound like a a very dramatic resemblance. But it was just something I noticed in the first half, especially that we actually used him nearly as a playmaker from left back. He was involved in everything. Everything went out his way. It was almost like you see Liverpool with Alexander-Arnold. Everything goes through him. We were doing the same with McCourt. He was constantly he was bombing up the line. He was coming in through midfield. He had that effort towards the end of the first half. He was brilliant. He didn't tire at all or anything in his... He's just he offers you so much. Such he's such a clever footballer. I never thought he'd be that good of a left back, and yeah. he's just he's exceptional. Yeah, um, we're hugely reliant on him, and he he was getting, you know, some of our the tactic you could see we were trying to deploy was he was getting balls into the box from wide, but I suppose we again, you know, maybe Andre Wright or, or whoever we were looking for just weren't in those positions. Like they were they were fine balls, good pace into the right areas, but not the problem is we don't have enough people in the danger. In into the box. Yeah. Yeah. Um what about um did you have any thoughts on um the, the referee? Uh, was it Rob oh, Rob Howley was it? Harvey. Rob Harvey. Yeah. Or Harvey Wallbank. <laughs> what about uh, Tim Clancy? Did you hear his comments after the game? Yeah he was right. He was right like what did he uh, say? Basically, I think his is is the biggest issue he had was with the fourth official um uh what's him call him the f- complete not bag altogether uh oh, I can't think of his name I don't know who it was but um he uh I think Clancy the Drahada manager Tim Clancy former Slagger Rovers player ha- said that uh, the referee had said to him that this is not all about you it's really yeah. got Tim Clancy's goat up like um and Clancy then kind of retorted or responded in an aftermatch interview to say that, well, maybe the referee was trying to take a lot of the attention uh, during that game or was trying to be the centre of attention, which was kind of unnecessary. But it's you could hear the frustration in Tim Clancy's voice and he was saying, you know, I'm going to get fined for this, but I need to say it, that standard of refereeing is not up to scratch. And you can't argue with that, I don't think, across, across the league. I mean, it's... Well, the referee made that game look like a dirty game the other night when it wasn't. He was given frees for tackles that were as clean as day. There was nothing yeah. wrong with them. David Cawley made an absolutely an unreal tackle in the second half. And he gives a foul against that. Ryan DeFries makes a great tackle where he body blocks the player off and takes the ball. Perfect shoulder challenge. Perfect challenge. Free kick. 
They just constantly get any done the same for Drada as well. Where yeah, but the biggest contradiction, the biggest contradiction there, lads, is that um, if any time a player went down, you give a free kick mm. outside the box, right? Any time, yeah, blew up. He was whistle happy, right? But probably the biggest, probably the most obvious foul in the whole game was the challenge of Walter inside the box in the first half. The two challenges, and he, and he, yeah. and he, and he we hit play on. Yeah. There was hands on his back. There was another fella coming in sliding along yeah. the ground. Where the, when, the ball wasn't, when the ball wasn't even at his feet, Jerry, the ball had gone. Yeah. So that's, that's, I suppose, that's where... So it's not just people making stuff up. It's like it, these things happen in every single game and they're so obvious. And it's like you've got whistle-happy referees. We've got the highest card ratio uh, of a league in, in Europe. So, like, the stats back it up as well. It's not just us or hearsay or managers, things like that. And I suppose Tim Clancy as well, that you kind of have to realise that it, he has to realise as well that it's his first season in management and he's only getting to see it now. Whereas, like, Buckley, you know, I suppose at this stage, being, what, 30 years in management, whatever the case may be, 20 or whatever it is, he's like, you know, but that's, like, we've been, I think that players and management and that have been kind of I wouldn't say beaten down but they're just almost there's no point anymore because it is all about the referees like and as Tim Clancy said like well if it's not about the players and the the training staff and all that who is it about yeah even when he sends off Clancy like he gives him the yellow card fair enough but Clancy's in a seat he's sitting down he can't be getting that aggressive he can't be shouting anything that Vulgar at the referee for him to turn around and justify a second yellow within Derek space. Tomley, wasn't it? Derek Tomley was the first fourth official. Yeah. Derek like, Tomley is right, yeah, that's right. He's an absolute spacer, <laughs> and and everybody knows, like he's notorious. Like it's not, it's not a, it's not a surprise. Like he, you know, when you say the word, when you say Derek Tomley, he both laughed. Yeah, yeah. What's that say? Well, I think Jerry, what you said about um. What you said about Tim Clancy and it being his first kind of uh, his first time. I mean, he's playing the league. He knows what yeah. he knows what the standard refereeing is like. But you know, when he said, um, "He's had the first division as well." Though. Yeah, I can't, but I can't remember. And in fairness to in fairness to Tim as well, though he's also played at a pretty high standard SPL, like you know, at Hibs. So yeah, it's not like um, it's not like it's amateur hour for him. Like he knows, you know, he's played around and he's he's highly experienced, but. He also said, I can't remember his exact, his exact words, but he was saying, if that is the approach of the referees, like, what are we doing here? Like, what is it all about? Like, you know, and he yeah. was like, like, he, I think he even said, I, I, I may throw me hat at it if this is what we're dealing with, like, because it's, it's a futile exercise. And they're like, there, there was a real, there was an honesty there. Like, he wasn't trying to make headlines or he wasn't trying to. No, he was just really frustrated, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And it was um, hard, it was like, it was heartfelt, as in, he wasn't saying, as you were saying, Connor, he wasn't saying it for show or attention or anything like that. He, he was just generally really annoyed. And look, I suppose the point that I was going to make, and maybe, now I don't know, but maybe there is a difference between playing and managing in terms of. Like when you're playing, you know, decisions, you, you, you know, you're going through the game and decisions and they're, they're annoying, but you have to get on with the game. But as a manager, you have to stand there, shut your mouth and just take it. And that must just give you, you're not, you're not running around. That must just drive your head mental altogether. Yeah. But yeah. in regards there, you know, when you're saying about um, Tim Clancy playing at a high level, when you think about it as well, the other man that's come in and questioned the referees heavily this year is Mark Bertram, who's also played at a very high level. Yeah. And managed at a decent level as well. So, 
you know, maybe they're just taking it. They're looking at past experiences coming in here now and saying, this is just absolutely ridiculous. It's an absolute shit show, really. Where we've had managers then in the league that are maybe too afraid to say anything because the fine lines in this league, it's this league is really fine margins financially for clubs and everything. So you can't really have referees taking a gripe against you. Yeah. So decisions going against you in games. That's why you don't have Stephen Bradley, don't have Liam Buckley. You didn't have John Caulfield crying about referees all the time because of those fine margins where you, you nearly want referees on your side rather than against you. Yeah. 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 I, I was talking to a referee's assessor uh, before the start of the season. And one of the things that he said to me, he acknowledged that the referee and standard wasn't great, but they're so afraid of losing uh, referees that they, they, they're, they're, they don't want to criticise them. Yeah. Because nobody wants to do it. But that, that's not, that's not going to solve the problem. Uh, like something, happens to, something ha- has to happen in the background to improve the standard. And if the standard improves, well, then the referees don't need to, we don't need to pander to these guys to stay in refereeing. Yeah. You know, so the structure has, it has to be wrong, like most things in Irish football. But that's, you know, you're not going to wave a magic wand and all of a sudden the referees are all going to be great. Something has to happen in the background in order for them to get better and to be more confident and more competent. Yeah, I suppose it's the problem that's throughout the league. Yeah. Like we're trying to, you know, everyone's trying to create a more professional a sustainable environment, whether that's professional clubs and professional players. And, you know, Conor O'Grady will talk about um, professional coaches within Sligo Rovers, not just that for the men's senior team, but, you know, throughout, um, uh, you know, paid coaches. But like, you know, I heard in the past the idea put up that, well, maybe you could have a link up between different leagues so that your League of Ireland referee uh, spends those couple of games per season in like in Scotland, you know, maybe not at SPL level. And I think that was, you know, that idea of the um, the Iron Brew Cup, you know, was a potential for something like that, where, you know, our referees, our, our officials could be open to gaining experience in a different environment, maybe a more professional environment, and that that could potentially lead to improvements. But I think something, there has to be something drastic, like, you know, that, that changes it. Um, you can get in all the assessors you want, um, and that that might slowly improve things, but it's really about it's like anything. People have to be trained correctly, and like I think a lot of it. And you know, we all know from being involved in uh, local football or whatever it might be, uh, the the um, what's the the best word to use? The you know the attitude that the referee brings into the game. And if you're at an underage game, if the referee's had a you know a bad day or the the match he just did didn't go well. He's gonna get. He's gonna have his back up. He's pissed off, or she's pissed off, and that is borne out then in the the game that you're involved in because something's happened. So my point is, like you know, it's it's about the the attitude that the referee brings into the game can really set a tone and set a standard, like you know. And yeah, yeah. You can see yeah. the referees in this league talk down to the players. They don't communicate with them. They talk down to them. So mm-hmm. when even Tim Clancy refers to the referee and um, talk making comment on Chris Lyons he slipped in the yeah oh and the cha- in, coming out of the tunnel there coming yeah out, he slipped yeah, in the, the tunnel tunnels. coming out and he says and he didn't say it in a funny way as Tim Clancy says it he just turns around and says you should say, save your dive until you get out in the pitch yeah, yeah like automatically that's a bad taste in all the Drogheda players mouths and yeah. the opposition as well they're thinking all well, right he has a gripe against him expose yeah. him like referees should just keep his mouth shut 
just control the game. He does it, but they do make themselves the center of attention, especially in this league. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, anything else to say on the the draw in um, Head in the Game Park, United Park, Go Two Park, Hunky Dory Park, <laughs> Hunky Dories. Um, look, it's 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 a point, I suppose. It's a point. Um, yeah. That's really it. Yeah. We need to we need to do better. Simple as that. Yeah, I think we know we have that solid solid foundation now from the back four. As Jerry says earlier, there they were absolutely exceptional. They were brilliant. So we know we have that. It's about to start building forward now. Yes, McCourt would be a massive help to us attacking wise as well as as defensively. But the midfield does need to offer us more going forward. And I think hopefully we'll have Bulger back in for Friday night. I think that's a does anybody a know what the crack is there or? No one's heard anything. No, don't know. Um, but we need to get him back, definitely. Yeah. Uh, just before we leave the draw of the game, we did a uh, beer scorecast ahead of the game. We're giving away a case of uh, White Hag beer uh, to anybody who predicts the correct score ahead of the game. We'll be doing the same again ahead of the St. Pat's game. Uh, the final score was nil-nil. And as far as I can see, and I had a good look there on Twitter, um, but I'm open to correction, I didn't see anybody who predicted a nil-nil uh, scoreline. I don't know if anybody has anything to say or challenge beyond that. Or anybody, you know, listen. I looked through all the entries, certainly on Twitter, and um, so um, we'll have to make a decision on what we do with that case of beer. Maybe it won't go too far away from the three lads here. We'll see. We'll see. Um, so, if you do want to win a case of White Hag uh, for next weekend or after next weekend, you can uh, predict the score on Twitter by tagging the trust and by tagging the white hag and use the hashtag beer scorecast and tell us what you think the score is going to be. So before we uh, go any further, uh, I didn't ask for any shed from the shed end last week. I did intend to get a couple of live shed from the shed ends uh, at the white hag uh, brewing company uh, on Saturday, but I didn't because I was, uh, I was uh, enjoying the pints too much. Yeah. Um, but we did get, we did get one uh, from, uh, you know, who, you, you know, who, so here's a, uh, Here's Sean. Sean. Here's Sean from America. This is Sean from America. Well, well, we got the draw in a game where neither side, other than one or two chances, really looked like they were going to score at all. Uh, I thought both sides were really sloppy in possession. Uh, it was good to see uh, Robbie McCourt back. Um, Andre Wright. Um, maybe a little rusty. Uh, his first touch was off, but he looked like he's going to be pretty uh, good holding player, hold-up player. And uh, I thought David Colley was very poor. Uh, gave away a lot. Uh, sloppy passes, caught in possession multiple times. Really, everybody was uh, kind of off it. Uh, so hopefully here in the next few games, we'll get, uh, Bulger back and a few other players coming back in and, uh, hopefully we can push on and get a few wins, uh, up the Rovers. Okay. That's, um, that's, uh, your shouts to the shout in for this week. You can get them in uh, to us through the usual channels. Um, we have our, uh, our WhatsApp number and, 
Uh, I'm just going to get it up uh, here for, so I can give it to you. So it's 085-815-9767, 815 and uh, you can WhatsApp your shout to us. Uh, just 30 seconds or so. Uh, tell us who you are, where you're from, and um, your thoughts on um, the St. Pat's game. So we're going to speak about the St. Pat's game a little bit later on, but before we do, uh, there was a big announcement in the showgrounds this week. Uh, Sligo Rovers, in conjunction with IT Sligo, uh, hope to enter a team into the Senior Women's League for 2022 and we got the thoughts of head of academy of the showgrounds, Connor O'Grady, who's involved in that project. And here's Connor. We've spoken to you on the podcast before, but this is uh, the first time you've been on with us since you've taken up the role. Um, how's it going so far? Yeah, so far, so good? Uh, I'm loving it. It's uh, it's busy. Um, there's a lot going on. Like uh, the evenings are evenings are busy, and um, there's a lot just yeah there's a lot of stuff going on between games and and covid and um zooms and 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 whatever there's 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 plenty plenty to be done um all the time we're, and we're all we're preparing for next year already yeah and um, we're looking at dates you know you're always looking for pitches and stuff there's just always something to be done dealing with players or you know dealing with parents or coaches or you know so it's busy i'm loving it so so far so good uh, for like covid obviously created huge channel challenges for for teams all over the country regardless of the sport uh, are mm. things getting any easier from an organizational point of view or is all that still in play at the moment uh, yeah it's still it's still pretty much uh, you know causing a lot of a lot of disruption really i suppose for example you know buses are a no no for a lot of a lot of journeys you know like you take tonight now our lads are down there training some of them have come from westport soaked to the skin they can spend all day in the classroom together, but they can't go into a dressing room and have a shower, you know, so it's yeah. back in the car. So it's just stuff like that, which probably needs to be uh, sorted out. You know, we've games here at the weekend and lads are getting, and lads and girls are getting changed to the stands. And yeah, it's not great. No, and yeah. it's not, I suppose, I suppose it's not being too bad the last couple of weeks with the weather being good and stuff like that. But when the winter comes in, it's, uh, it's not going to be ideal. Yeah, like, like we've been on today to talk about um, the announcement that was made by uh, Sligo Rovers and IT Sligo this week in relation to um, the proposed creation of a team for the Women's National League starting next season. But before I ask you about that, um, there is uh, there's some good publicity or there's some good news stories coming out of um, coming out of uh, your side of things in relation to what well, we there's quite a lot of Sligo Rovers players that are playing for the Republic of Ireland underage teams. Uh, Connor Walsh, there is one that sticks out. Um, that is that looks great. Yeah, Daniel Kelly was with him this week, and obviously Dara and Connor were in Hungary a few weeks ago. But I think before before that, that that's been going on for a couple of years, to be honest, with Dara Riley and Caelan Barlow, and and you know other lads. Obviously, Johnny was in the in in a, in a camp in Lockborough uh, last week as well. So you know we've had internationals over the last couple of years. It's great. I think it's it's great recognition for the individuals. Obviously, it's great recognition for the family, but it's also good for for our club. We also have. Alice Lilly in a, in a, in a under sixteen squad camp next week, um, in Dublin. So that's brilliant for for the female side of it. We've had a couple of girls up at the assessments over the last last while, and we've a lot of lads close. We've uh, Connor Cannon and Kyle McDonough on standby for the under sixteen tournament in Malta, um, in two weeks' time. So hopefully someone may pull out and they might get a they might get in. But it's you know yeah. we've a lot of really really talented lads and, and lads that are, are up in and in and around the assessments and girls that are, are very close as well. So that's work that's been ongoing over the couple of years. It's it's 
and it's great to see it's great for the club and as I said it's great for the individuals yeah okay the, the big announcement this week and actually you know it could really be one of the, the biggest announcements from Sligo Rovers in a while is is um in relation to the the, the women's national the women's senior team that um, they hope to put together so uh, it's in conjunction with IT Sligo is that is that right and what what is that connection and why is there a connection with IT Sligo well I suppose what we looked at first of all was the connection with the with the with the lads had worked and um, we the the club were based there for most of I suppose since the 17th it started to be based in the IT and um, would have been a connection there with a lot of players I suppose on my on, on, on me coming in I was you know I had no real history with the underage girls I didn't know a lot what was going on but I suppose myself and Danny O'Leary sat down at the start of the season and uh, I wasn't long in the job and we obviously couldn't trial for any of the teams, girls or boys, and uh, we were going through lists. And all our good, the good, well, the so-called good players were, oh, she's gone to, she's gone to Atlone, or she's gone to Galway, or she's gone here. And I suppose myself and Danny says, you know, we need a senior team because we're just bringing player, players through to, to go to other teams. And, and they were going to other national league teams. Yeah, we have a few players from this region and Atlone. We have a few from at Galway. I think we've even a girl up around P- at Piedmont. Traveling to Piedmont, so um, you know that pathway wasn't there for the girls that is there for, for them in GEA or, or other sports, and I suppose we felt that um, you know something that needed to be addressed if we were going to go forward, and it needed to probably be addressed immediately as quick as we could. And in fairness, we went to the women's committee and I spoke to the women's committee, and uh, they were very supportive of it, of it as as were the, the 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 main the main committee, and you know there was a lot of work went in from Colin and. Brendan Lacken and 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 these people with the with the FEI and and uh, yeah it was something that we took on board that took on board straight away and and I think you know we realised the importance of it if we were going to be serious about the female side of it we needed we needed to have a senior team to uh, give them that pathway. Uh, I know from um, from my involvement with Marvel like if you're going to represent if you're involved in an organisation that's going to represent a community I suppose you have to represent the community you know and you can't cut half the community out or expect, you know, half them come into the showgrounds to watch the men's senior team when we don't have a girl, a women's senior team, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and again, it's, 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 it's the quickest probably growing sport in, <laughs> in Europe, yeah. you know, uh, and especially in Ireland, it's just, it's even the, in the last 24 hours, the amount of calls I've got and LinkedIn messages I've got on from people who want to get involved and, um, you know, it's, it's people really want to get involved in. And I suppose we're a hu- huge region here as well. And you know, not since the Castlebar Celtic days have we had a had a team here. So, um, in team in this area, so it's you know it'd be really great to have and that connection with the IT. You know, the girls continue their education, given the same option as the as the lads, the likes of Niall Morhan and these lads that are on the scholarship schemes. And you know, I think it's 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 great, and hopefully we get to go ahead from the FEI and 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 uh, we'll have a team in March. Um, but that's not to say that um, the club, you know, we're not coming out of nowhere, I suppose, in relation to um, to female teams in the club insofar as there's an under-17s and an under-19s team uh, on the go at the moment. How, how are they getting on? Yeah, well, our under-19 team would be it's in their inaugural, inaugural year. Um, you know, our player pool is small, Connor. The girls are under, under, they're doing brilliant. They're under, you know, a lot of pressure. As I, A lot of them are, are very young. We'd have a lot of players playing under 17 that would be under 16. And mm-hmm. um, we'd have a lot of players playing under 19 that would be under 17. And there's girls playing at the weekend, playing two games a weekend, and there's a huge pressure on them and parents and, and everything else. But if we can grow that player pool and, uh, you know, I think, 
you know, a lot of people will want to get involved now with uh, with the fact of being a senior team, a senior team there. Um, there's been a lot of brilliant work but in a Sligo Leitrim level as well, Connor, at the clubs and then at the, the emerging talent groups, which I think will help. Now, this isn't, you know, this isn't going to happen overnight. We're not going to be yeah. coming out in the first couple of weeks. And, and you know, this is going to take a couple of years. Slow to get right. Slow yeah, burner. it's going to yeah. take a couple of years. To, and we might get a couple of thumpings along the way. Yeah. Um, and that's 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 part and parcel of it. But, you know, I think it's it's really important. And look, another an aspect of it as well, it was important to get female people involved in the club. Yeah. And Emma Hansbury's came in, obviously Emma, huge experience with, you know, Wexford Youths and Underage International and, you know, Emma, okay. I'd love to see Emma togging out for our, our, our team next year. And obviously we have Stacey Muldowney as well involved, Castle Bar, former Underage International as well. So it's great to have these girls that have experience and are from the area involved with, with the club and, and hopefully can push it on going forward. Yeah. Uh, historically in Irish football, when there was, you know, other teams that operated, um, you know, maybe behind, without trying to be disrespectful, behind the senior men's team, uh, a lot of the resources would have, as you probably know yourself, you know, if under the resources that maybe should have been going to underage teams or other teams ended up being pulled into, you know, back to the senior team or the senior men's team. Uh, what's changed in Irish football now that has allowed for like the underage structures to, to come into place and for the likes of Slugger Rovers to be able to set up you know, our, 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 our aim to deliver a, a senior female team? Well, I suppose first of all, licensing laws have probably have <laughs> been the main reason. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying enough. that's for every every club. I know our club are are, are big into the, you know, they've put a lot of uh, investment into the academy, and you know, even might giving me a full time role, and it just uh, has proven that. And I think there'll be more, more things like that down the road. Um, I suppose we're. I think the the, the top have realised that we need to have the structures in place for all our kids, boys, and girls to try and, and, and produce the best players and give them the the best games and the best facilities that we, we can have that probably myself and yourself wouldn't have had um, or Magoo or Dunner. But um, yeah, I, I, I think there's just a change in, in mindset really in terms of, you know, people are realising now that, you know, our, our, our 15s or 14s boys players will be our, hopefully our future senior players and, and our, our 17s and 19s girls will be our future senior players. We're probably too quick to look over what across the seas uh, in, in years gone by. And look, that's always going to happen. We're still going to have to get players from there, but you know, we have talent on our doorstep and I think it's, we have to make sure we make the most of it and give them the best opportunity to, to make the most of it as well. Yeah. Okay. So when the, um, when the senior women's team does come together, uh, are they, will they be playing nationally or will it be regionalized or, or how will that work? And then the other we're, part of the question. What we're looking for is that to be in the women's national league. Yeah. Okay. With the, in with the P mounts and the and the Wexford Utes and 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 the Bows and and, and whoever else the LR waves. Um, and there's yeah, one division or multiple divisions. Well, at the moment it's 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 just a one Connor. They don't have like there's a lot of teams that wouldn't have a lot you know like that don't have um, they don't have a senior team. Some of them don't have 19s teams even yet. So yeah. um, I think it's as I said it's it's very much in its infancy. I think it'll be a couple of years before that we'll have all the teams involved. I'm sure it will be compared to the licensing as well. But take, for example, you have Donegal League in our, our league, but they have no connection to Harp. So I'm sure that something that'll have to be addressed down the road. But um, no, I think just it'll be great for the girls in our, our region that they can aim to play senior football and, you know, aim to improve and continue their education through through sport or through football. And and, and it's, um, I think it's good news. And, and hopefully, as, as, as we said, that we get the, the go ahead from the, the FAI.
Yeah. Uh, I listened to you on um, the uh, Danny McDonald and Johnny Ward podcast there a, m- a couple of months ago, and I learned that you were only you're only one of six people in a similar role in is, is it six in across the league? That, one, that was the first I heard of it too, Connor, to be honest. <laughs> I didn't know that either till the lad said it. Yeah, I think I think yes, yeah, myself, Paddy Shane, Paddy McCourt, Shane Robinson. Yeah, I'm trying to maybe Liam Kearney, Cork. I'm not sure. Yeah, um, I'm just guessing off the top of my head. Um, oh, Stevie McDonald, Dundalk, um, and yeah. Gerald Bryant. Sorry, Gerald Bryant and Pats. There's probably the George Downis, director of football on the Pats website. Got it. Maybe that. I don't know. Maybe that's he's not. So yeah, I'm, that's that was off the top of my head. Um, I think Paddy's probably director of football as well. I don't know. I'm not. There's probably one or two there I'm missing. But yeah, yeah well, that's look. That's a massive problem in itself. Like I'm, I ha- I'm in a position now where I'm. I'm here for a part of the day and then I come back in the evening and lads are coming here in the gate from work. Maybe not had their dinner, you know, sending on, sending, I'm annoying them for session plans and, and, and stuff like that. And they're going out in that rain. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And that's, I, you know, and I suppose the, the dream down the road, as I said at the start would be that we would have, um, you know, that we'll have full-time coaches someday, but it's, 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 it's a while away yet. Yeah. And come here. Um, uh, does are all the underage are underage teams in the showgrounds playing the Conor O'Grady way? Like Rude Doctor said, we all have to be playing four four three. Are uh, are do um, coaches and managers have license to do like, what they want? We 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 play we we play four three three. But like it's you you take our nineteens game against Cork last week. You know I'm there watching the game. It's it's competitive. It's the second team down from our first team. It's it's a competitive game. It's a fast game. Um, you, you, you know you want to win the game. You know, and and at the end of the day, it's at that stage like there is days where it was it was probably helter skelter. It wasn't a great game of football. Um, at times, at times it was very good. Our goal was outstanding, but you know I'm not going to be stopping Decky Boyle after the game and saying, you know, we could have played more football there, you know. We could have a conversation about different things as, as we do, yeah. and I could have a conversation with Alan Farry, but it's I think it's it's all player-dependent too, Connor. It's it's all player-dependent. Um, I want us, obviously, to play the right way as much as possible, but it has to be realistic as well, like, you know. Mm. And I, spe- I think especially with the younger keepers, they're probably not able to kick the ball out too far, so it has to be, you know, you have to look for them to play out as much as possible. But um, yeah, look, we're, we want to play high energy football, uh, expansive football. When we lose the ball, we want to get it back as quick as possible. All the basic principles that are, are yeah. probably in Merville and, and, and up out in Strand Hill as much as they are here in the showgrounds, you know. Uh, very finally, and uh, just for people who are listening, Sean Dunn is there in the background. Sean, if you have a, if you want, if you have a question that comes to mind, no, he doesn't, he's waving us. The last thing I'll ask you, Connor, is that. Uh, and this might be complete barstool talk, but is there, do you think that there's any scope for um, senior players for the senior team um, who might not be getting games week in, week out uh, to play with under 19s? Or, you know, if there was room for an under 20 or 21 team, you know, to, for. Yeah, there's is, a big gap that, there. There's or, a big gap yeah. there. Yeah, I, I'm I'm 100, like, they should, they should be allowed to play with the 19s. And if they're not allowed to play, we should have a reserve league, you know. I think there's a big gap there between that 17, 18, 19. Um, you know, we've a couple of last year 19s, we've we had three or four under 17 start for our 19s on Sunday. Um, yeah, I think 
if you're, you if, you're if you're allowed like for, just for argument's sake if you're allowed to have per week three senior uh, players play with the under 19s would that be disruptive to what's going on at an under 19 level from a squad point of view yeah but it's not a, it's we have to look at the bigger the whole picture it's the bigger picture it's i think that looking at that the lads could learn a lot from these players coming down um as well um as long as their you know their attitudes are right some i i know over the years lads probably some lads didn't probably like going down but i think it's like we've a lot of lads over the years been sitting on the bench and not getting any football right yeah still, still happening now i would be an advocate for the reserve league i played in the kind of senior league which was brilliant balance slow town castle bar celtic balance town you know you had to you had to learn on your feet quickly you're playing against men Um, i look at a lot it comes down to finances connor yeah. That's what it comes down to, um, but I I agree. Um, you're, we're, I think next year we'll be allowed four overage players, but it, that'll be one year overage, which is which is a, which is a step forward. But I would agree that like if you have a lad there coming back from injury even, and he's not able to get into the team, he could play. Just explain that. What does that mean? Four overage players for the under 19s Yeah, so we'll say a nineteen this year, um, and he's he's twenty next year. So he's a year over. He's a year out of it. He can play still under nineteen next year if the club want to keep him. Okay. So that's that's a big a big move from the league that wasn't there before. But but he but he's he's twenty years of age or whatever he might be. But he, he's just an under nineteen player. He 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 can't jump between the senior team and well he, he, he you know he probably won't have a contract to be honest. You know you'd probably yeah. be keeping him because you think well he's not maybe ready yet. Yeah. But he still, you still think he might have a chance, you know, and, and that's yeah. probably the big problem that we have in the league where players are falling away. They're probably not, they're probably 70% ready and they probably maybe need another year or year and a half to, to make yeah. that step up to the first team and they're probably not getting the game opportunity then to, to, to step up when they're, and we've seen it here with lads coming into the first team this year, they probably come in with played no football and, and it's it's tough on them to get up to this you know, up to game speed as quick as possible. But um, yeah, it's something that needs to be addressed. And I think we have a head of academy meetings uh, regularly, and I think it's the it's the it's the main topic that will come up. Uh, you know, with the with Will Clark and the FEI lads, is, is that we hopefully could someday have something for that that age group because there is a gap there. Uh, just Connor, for with, sorry, with, with, regards to, with regards to the gap there that you're talking about between the 19s and the first team. Would, would a reserve side be better instead of lads coming down to play with the 19s where maybe it'd help with the transition from the 19s players into senior football? If it's a reserve side where you're getting a better yeah. mix of both. Yeah, well, I, I suppose then you'd have to look at what you, you get rid of the 19s then. Is that what you're saying? And maybe no, 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 no. Just so your 19s, like just say, for instance, you had your Johnny Kenny's and that coming in this year from the 19s, maybe Mark Byrne. Yeah. That maybe they got a few games last year in the reserves to get, just give them a wee taste of men's senior football as such. Of what you're, you know, I I think the reserve team could be there for when they don't play and they could still come down and play in it, and then it gives the opportunity for that twenty-year-old that instead of having to stay for a year with the nineteens under nineteen because he's not ready, he could go into the reserve reserve team and and maybe and 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 play up. But that's look, there's a million. I think if you're going to have a reserve team, I wouldn't have a nineteens. Probably this is my own personal opinion. I would probably maybe go eighteens reserve or seventeens and then go yeah, reserve yeah. because. Um, I don't think it'd make much sense to have seventeens, nineteens reserve, and 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 financial financially for clubs it would be a big, a big drain on them. But it is it is it's it's a big talking point on whether to get the right. You know, I know lads were looking for an under eighteen league and then a reserve league, or an under some heads of academies around were looking for an under twenty one league and under twenty three league. It's just it's just I suppose getting the balance right, and it's just making sure them lads that are stepping up from nineteens 
that are out that they have get game time and also it gives the opportunity for lads in first team as Connor was saying that aren't playing or that they can come down and play and, and get, uh, get games under their belt. Uh, before you go, Connor, if there is people involved, uh, if there's girls or women or female footballers who are, if people know of talented um, footballers who could be candidates for our senior women's team, how might they get in touch or um, who do they contact or, or what happens from a recruitment point of view? Well, look, I suppose with the emerging talent, we would have a fair idea of, of the girls in the area for coming through. But I suppose if anyone has moved into, in, into the area, um, get in contact with the club, um, 0719171212, and, um, or email me, myself, ogrady.27 at hotmail.com. We will be um, having trials um, this year. That's That'll be the big thing that we will be able to do. Um, obviously, we will be recruiting through the with the IT we'll be recruiting through the, the, the CEO side of it for players and scholarships and we will also be looking for players that probably have left the area to play with other clubs we will be looking for them to come back as well but I, I, I know from with COVID we've seen it here with some of the underage boys teams people have moved back home or have moved into the area that may not have um, been involved with clubs here but being involved we've a lad that's came back from England and he's involved with under 14 teams so um, things like that where yeah get in contact with us we'd be and people who want to get involved volunteers or people who have coached and want to get involved in coaching like we're, we're the more the merrier we're going to need a lot of people our biggest problem in, in in the in the area at the moment is our pool of coaches and pool of qualified coaches being the being the main thing because the cr- criteria is quite high at the moment and, well, what uh, do you need uh, what do you need qualification wise if you're getting involved there um well i suppose to be to be a first team the manager you'll you'll need an a license um and look that's that's down the road but uh Coaching, uh, you know, you want, I suppose, first coaching, you want PDP1s, PDP2s or PDP3s. And if, mm-hmm. even if there was a D license, it'd be great. But that's stuff we, we could look at when, when we get in. But yeah, look, the, the FEI are pu- pushing the criteria up higher with the, even on the under the 14s and 15s. It's uh, it's an elite you've been able to manage the 14s or 15s. So it's uh, yeah. it's uh, just something that uh, we, we if there's anyone in the area that has them, by all means, get in contact. Right. Okay, listen, uh, Connor. thanks a million for joining us and very best of luck with um, the developments of the women's team and um, thanks, good luck as well with um, uh, your, your own role as uh, you progress. So thanks a million. Thank you. Thanks, lads. There's Connor. That's Connor O'Grady uh, on the announcement um, coming out of the showgrounds this week that the club, in conjunction with IT Sligo, intend to enter a women's senior team into the National League come 2022. That's next season. So uh, hopefully that will all go to plan and we wish them the very best of luck. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Saturday evening, uh, we hope to have around 2,000 people. Is that, is that, is that what we're looking at in the showgrounds um, with the extension of, uh, or the increased capacity um, with the re- relaxation of um, the, the COVID restrictions? Uh, it'll be great to have uh, a big crowd and a proper uh, buzz and noise in the showgrounds. And um, we, uh, we spoke to, uh, so the last time, the last St. Pat's fan that we had on the podcast was Finch, uh, Sean Mayan, the rapper, and um, we tried to tie him down uh, for this podcast, but uh, he was otherwise engaged. Um, he, he wanted to come on, but he just couldn't uh, make it happen. So uh, instead, he hooked us up with Nathan Doyle, who is a St. Patrick's athletic fan, who I just found out before we started speaking to him, lives in Sligo. He's got some connections to Sligo Rovers. We got his thoughts ahead of the showdown in the showgrounds on Friday. 
Okay, we have Nathan Doyle from the Big Kickoff. Nathan is a staunch St. Patrick's Athletic fan. And before we started recording, we just found out that Nathan lives all the way in Sligo. So Nathan, uh, thanks a million for coming on the podcast. Um, it's great to have you. Um, just really briefly, tell us a little bit about the Big Kickoff. Yeah, no, lads. Uh, thanks for having me. I uh, really do appreciate it. Yeah, the, the Big Kickoff, I suppose, were somewhat in the infancy it, it was set up about a year ago by um the, the main man i suppose over in the big kickoff roy shanahan um we set it up and he really he sort of wanted to, to get everything behind it in terms of marketing and, and the right people on board and as soon as he when i came on i, I told him about my interest in the league of ireland obviously and that was it to get the ball rolling it's in a league of ireland section with articles and then that just progressed you know it progressed into a into a podcast and into a, a weekly YouTube channel, uh, weekly live shows. So yeah, it's, it's really taken off in, in a good way. So yeah, anyone listening in, if you're, if you're interested, jump on uh, over there. So uh, general sports production. With, oh, uh, what it, yeah, what, yeah. What, what, whatever you're after, we have it. Would it be cricket, football, uh, rugby, all that good stuff. In fairness, it's, it's a good diverse group we have over there. Okay. And um, you're, you, you do a League of Ireland specific podcast um, for the big kickoff. That's... I do. That, that'd be my uh, forte along with a bit of MMA and professional wrestling because I'm an absolute man child. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, I've no interest in MMA or wrestling, but um, um, yeah, I appreciate that some people, some people do um, gain something out of that. Okay. Listen, we'll, we'll push on to. Um, We'll push on to um, to St. Patrick's Athletic, or Sligo Rovers and St. Patrick's Athletic taking place on Friday evening in the showgrounds. So um, I, I suppose you're going to be reasonably happy so far with how things have panned out. Uh, you know, the guts of two thirds yeah. of the way through the season, you're sitting in second. Yeah, you have a couple of games that played more than um, those around you. But um, generally speaking, uh, Pats fans are, are happy with how things are progressing. Yeah, big time. I, I even said to you before we jumped on here that I felt Pats were overachieving. We're probably one of the biggest overachievers this season. If you look at coming in before the season, the, the main goal was to sneak into a European position. You know, uh, a lot of us didn't expect Dundalk to have such a, a, a turmoil time that they're having at the moment. But yeah, if you look at St. Pats and the squad that he have, it's uh, going in. It, it was very thin, uh, over-reliance on a lot of young players. And that has hindered us at times throughout the season. You know, we're, we're still struggling with injuries and if you said likes of Ben McCormick and Dara Burns just to pick out two of the younger lads in the squad, they've really, really stepped up. You know the importance of that with how Johnny Kenny has performed this season. But yeah, now there's, a, there's, a, there's a definitely a feel-good factor around Richmond Park. And you compare that to the back end of last season when there was people genuinely calling for Stephen O'Donnell to lose his job and the, the quick turnaround. It's, it's been really, really positive to see. And look, we, we've, we've all seen how well Bohemians are doing in the past couple of weeks. I think they'll be the main threat. I, I really think they, they could still push Pats for that second position, but yeah, I think European football is definitely on the cards um, and, and that was the goal going into the season, so yeah, definitely happy. Uh, just on that, you touched on um, Stephen O'Donnell potentially losing his job or that, that he may have been, there may have been some people who were calling for his head at the end of last season. So I was interested, and particularly in the context of Dundalk and uh, the managerial setup that we've seen on the go up in Oriel Park, um, so Alan Matthews is down as first team manager at St. Pat's, uh, Stephen O'Donnell's head coach. You've got, uh, I think, Ger O'Brien is a director of football. So you've got a lot of people, um, all good football men, but a lot of lads with a lot of titles. And um, was that, a, was that a, a concern at any stage or um, has, has it because the season so far has gone so well, has it not kind of come up as an issue? 
in fairness, straight away to Alan Matthews, I think he, he was very transparent and he, and he put a lot of um, a lot of fans at ease, you know, from early interviews and discussing the role. It, it, it was purely just down to circumstances that Stephen O'Donnell doesn't have the correct coaching badges. I know that's something that he's, he's working on now. So in fairness to Alan, from day one, he came in and said that this is all Stephen's decisions. Uh, it's, who picks the team, the training regiment, it was all down to Stephen O'Donnell. So... Yeah, it's very, isn't it? It's going to be easy to, to pick up the comparisons between uh, the Dundalk situation and St. Pat's, but yeah, it seems to be more of um, yeah, more of a good cohesion in the group uh, in Richmond Park. And yeah, that's down to Alan Matthews and how willing he was to step aside and let Stephen O'Donnell really put his, his uh, blueprint on this team. Uh, has there been a, a sense of the squad come together in a kind of cohesive manner? You managed to tie down some players that were on loan to the club. Um, has Has... Um, yeah, the cohesion in the squad increased across the season. I think, you know what the big thing for me has been? There seems to be an identity back at Pats, and that's something that's been missing ever since we, we, we won the league. Um, it's, it's, we've sort of just been middling, you know? We've just, just been surviving, and I think we're a club now, like you say, we bought the likes of Alfie Lewis, who we, who we had on loan, and Naya Melvin Lambert, we bought them him back on loan from Redden as well. Um yeah, and it's been exciting to see. And I touched on it earlier about the younger players, and that seems to be the blueprint going forward at the club. You know, it's putting such an emphasis, like the amount of lads that we have in the squad, not only in the squad, but, but playing and getting regular game time and how important that is. And yeah, it, it's really nice to see because my biggest gripe, I think, with the club over the past five, six years has been the recruitments. And it, it's been absolutely spot on this season. You know, we've strengthened in the right areas. Right, like I said at the start, at the, the top of the show, I, I think we went in a little bit light in terms of the, in, in the squad as a whole. But yeah, there's been a lot of lads that came in, uh, whether that be transfers from elsewhere, or younger lads coming up to the, the, to the senior team. And they've been striving. They really, really have. And it's been great to see. There's been no issue with um, uh, uh, scoring goals, I suppose, in the context. No. When you compare it with the Sligo Rovers recently, finding that has been a real tricky, uh, has been a real challenge for us. But like, bar the little hiccup, I suppose, against uh, Harps recently, um, you're putting away two, three, and four goals a game. The highest uh, scorers in the league this season, I think, forty-six goals. Um, that that's probably been a big surprise to me. Um, you know all about Ronan Coughlin, obviously from his time at Sligo. Personally, I was never in a massive fan of Ronan in terms of coming in and being that reliable goal scorer. You know what you're going to get with Ronan Coughlin. He links up to play very well, quite versatile as well. Um, but yeah, that's really been a surprise, and I think it's down to. We still don't have that goal scorer, you know, that, that 15, 20 goal a season player. But it's the lads like Coughlin, in fairness to him. Billy Keane has been chipping in. Forrester, uh, Darrell Bournes. You know, we have ample amount of players, uh, whether it be forwards, winners, attacking midfielders, that have chipped in quite well. And yeah, you even mentioned the Finn Harps game there. When it's, you, you look at, at, at from the start of the season to now, Pats actually haven't gone on, on a terrible run of form. You know, I think they mostly lost the two games in a row. So... The bounce back ability, even that, that's been there at the club this season, it, it's been an absolute testament. You know, you see them now sitting second place, leveling points to Shamrock Rovers. Realistically, they're not going to push Shamrock Rovers for that title, but yeah, these are all key elements to, to help Pats are performing this season. Uh, lastly, you uh, you had said uh, when we started speaking that you think bowls are uh, the biggest challenge in relation to the European spot. So you're not too worried ahead of uh, the clash in the showgrounds. 
I think it's a good time to get Sligo Rovers. You know yourself, it, it's been enough to do. What's a seven game losing streak and then a, a draw against a, a draw it before this? Yeah. Um, and the frames the pots as well, you know, they, they've won the last five. I did they, they, they haven't lost in the last five meetings against uh, Sligo Rovers. So the track record is pretty good too. Um, yeah, I think it's a good time to face uh, Sligo Rovers, to be honest. Uh, and I was an absolute smash and grab the last time, wasn't it? We, we, yeah. we met in the showgrounds. Uh, yeah. And Ian Birmingham, last gaff uh, winner. I was saying to you, even after the year, that uh, my girlfriend's father, a major, staunch Sligo Rovers supporter. And unfortunately, that, that was around the time when, when COVID was really, really in its heights and no fans were there. So yeah. the mood in the house was, <laughs> it was absolutely night and day. But yeah, no, uh, uh, without... Being too biased, because uh, it's nothing worse than when you have someone coming on today's podcast and, and it's completely biased. It's, yeah, it's a good time, I think, for Pats to be facing Sligo. Um, it, it's Sligo, the, the showground is always a tough place to come. It really, really is, you know, whether that's it's still a Sligo. Come on, Nathan. Come on, Nathan. Let's the, the politics. Tell us what's, what's, <laughs> what's going to happen. What's the score going to be? What are I'd you looking a, for? I'd take a scrappy 1 0 win. I really would. Um, but based on the goals that you're putting away, you know, you want more than that, don't you? I mean, you're, you'd, you actually expect more than that. Oh, no, it's a take it. I still really would, yeah. Um, right, like I right. said, Showgrounds is a tough place to go. It really, really is. Uh, there's still good players in that Sligo Rovers squad. Interesting to see how the two lads do, actually, the two new players, uh, with Andre yeah. Wright in particular. A really, really exciting prospect. Yeah, well, we we, we saw a bit of uh, Andre Wright uh, up in, um, in Drogheda uh, in our last game, and he was definitely involved in things a little bit more. He was involved... Um, yeah, well, he, he, his presence was was visible there, so we're hoping that he's going to grow into that role a little bit. But he's got to do it. Um, he's got to do it quick, smart, I suppose. Um, but yeah, listen, we'll see. I think um, I think that's a fair assessment on things, uh, Nathan. We're delighted that you've taken the time to join us, and um, a bit of insight was great. Uh, hopefully, we'll speak to you again on the podcast. Um, and uh, we also wish you the very best of luck with uh, the big kickoff. Thanks very much. Yeah, here's hoping for a good game Friday. What you reckon? Yeah, yeah. All right. Oh, thanks for having me, mate. I really appreciate it. Okay, that is Nathan Doyle. Uh, so Nathan, I think he was being, um, I think he was being a little bit conservative there when he was saying that he was looking, or he'd be happy with a one nil win, and I'm sure he would be happy with it. But um, you know, one of the points that I put to him was that uh, Pats are scoring goals freely. Um, he told us that they're one of the highest scoring teams in the league at the moment and if you look back at the record the, over the last number of games they're putting away two if not three and four goals per game uh, Jerry, you've got to be worried Yeah well I suppose the only thing that we have going for us is that we have a decent defence but look you'd imagine Pats would probably squeeze one uh, whether we can get one or two well that's uh, that's another matter. Uh, you wouldn't be overly confident at the moment, so you wouldn't. Uh, it'd be hard to disagree with him in saying that you know Pat's probably look the favourites for a one 0 win um, on Friday night. Which look, um, it'll be it, Friday night. Be interesting as well in that it'll be the first time that you've had a home and an away crowd, so that should add to the atmosphere and it'll make it just that little bit more normal and special at the same time. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that and um, just to buzz around the place as well and I just look I just hope the team can you know put in a good performance and, and you know it's a six pointer and you know it's kind of it's a shit or bust time now at this time isn't it yeah uh, Sean like I, I, I think it's like listen we've another whatever it is 12 games to go or whatever it might be um, but 
uh, we're running out of time here to maintain this uh, third place position. And um, yeah, like sure, Pats have played two go- two games more than us uh, so far, but like they're 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 they've got momentum behind them. And as I said to Nathan Doyle, they're a cohesive team. Like they have they they have improved across the season. While you know, obviously, we've gone off a bit of a cliff. Um, but they they're kind of where we would like to be, I suppose. They're exactly where where we'd like to be. Yeah, well, they've maintained the level where we dropped off, as you says. Um, I think they've just kept that flow of goals coming because if you watch a Pats game, they're nothing special. You know, they're they're not amazing at the back. They're not amazing through midfield or that, but they keep coming up with the goods. They've been very good attacking-wise. Some very good players. Ronan Coughlin's been very good for them this season, has to be said for them. Um, but I still I still look at the game on Friday and think it's there for the taking. It's there for us if we show up because I'm not, I haven't been convinced by Pats at all this season. There's a lot of weak points without them, and I think with Desmond as well is still injured, isn't he? For the I think he game. could be, yeah. I think he yeah, could be. Like he's a massive loss for them in the back. But they, they they've they've got that mix of obviously they've got some recognised players, um, Paddy Barrett, the goal like they kind of got lucky as well with some of the new players that came in who were on loan, and then they managed to mm. tie them down for the rest of the season. Like I'd imagine the goalkeeper was a bit of luck, um, and then the likes of. Uh, maybe Maddie Smith and Lewis and Lewis, yeah, like they kind of got lucky there as well. Insofar as they came in, and they kind of hit the ground running, and then they managed to, you know, keep them at the club for the duration of the season. Um, so good experience as well, though. Donald's not fully did he? He put some winners in throughout the side, like the likes of Mountney and that are, you know, and, John, and, yeah, ben, yeah. and Benson is there as well. Like they're they're excellent players, you know. They're winners. Mountney's out for the season, so that's that's not a bad thing. Oh no, yeah, but no, but you don't throw out Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the point you're making, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, just adding those kind of players throughout the squad is is always a good thing. And it's something we've lacked this season is is experience. We haven't had too much of it. Yeah. The squad, you know. So Yeah. I mean, you know <laughs> I suppose eight weeks ago we were saying that we did have an experienced squad. We were looking at our Buckleys and our Bulgers and uh, you know, Romeo who've been there in the past, but uh, like why, why, why? Like we do, we do, we just don't. Maybe we just don't have enough experience. In yeah, I think I think it's kind of look. We've had a large slice of bad luck. Um, we've had you know a lot of games where experienced players were out, and probably at the critical time of the season, really, um, we were going really, really well for the first uh, first dozen games or so. Didn't seem didn't really have any injuries or suspensions or anything like that, and then just everything hit us at the one time and just kind of knocked the stuffing out of us. Um, so like the only one we're really missing now is Bulger, and if you have him back on Saturday, Friday night, sorry, um, they can you know you can look the, the time for excuses are gone, you know. Yeah. Just but, you know, have Sean, have we seen enough in the draw the game to to lead you to believe that actually we. Are you going into that game, you know, building with a sense of building confidence or you're going into it with a sense of hope? No, definitely a lot more confidence. I've seen a lot more, especially from the first half. I've seen an awful lot more from us. Um, and that would, with hopefully Bulger coming back in and maybe Lorenzen coming in as well. So that's another uh, aspect we could add to the side. So, look, I'll always remain confident and I suppose a little bit of hope is always be- yeah. uh, built in as well. But no, there is a... 
there was positives from the last night, so I'll take them in. And as I say, I'm not I'm never too fearful of Pats. I don't know why, but I'm never am. Um, yeah, even though we've a poor enough record against them, but um, <laughs> yeah, look, 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 the game against Pats as well. We're not even trying to catch Pats at this stage. We're no. just trying to hold on to hold on to third. Um, and even now at this stage, I bite your hand off a of fourth, and hopefully that one of the top two win the cup. Coming being honest, yeah. Are, one of the two from the top three. Top three uh, yeah. I'd bite your hand off all day long because we're still in free fall. I don't think that point or even that performance is any way close enough to holding on to third, uh, in my opinion. Not a hope in hell. We'd be lucky. We, we, look, I, I take a point on, on Friday night, to be honest. And I think it would be a, it'd be a better point than the draw had a one. And then hopefully, you know, we can start to turn it. But if we lose this game, forget about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's Jerry. We're definitely in a case where we can't lose games at all, really. Now. Yeah. We, you know, we, yes. need, we do need to be picking up points all along the way. Yeah. And, and after that, we're relying on like we're Ryan and Bowles and Jerry. Uh, well, no, Bowles and Pats to, to, in relation to the cup. Like, oh, right? sorry. Yeah. 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 Oh, in, are, in, yeah. Rega- in regards to the league as well, Jerry and Bowles will continue to draw points throughout the season. Do you, th- do you think so? Yeah. 100%. Definitely, Jerry. Jerry are a poor, poor side. Uh, they're in a false position. Um, you know, look, look we've we've gained look, games at hand. Us at the moment isn't worth the damn, but we do have games at hand in them. Um, uh, look, I, I don't think we've anything to fear from them. I think, but like bows are going to come. Bows are going to come. They are. I know they're going to drop points, but they're not going to drop many now. Um, are they going to drop more than us? Well, I know we were ahead of them, but jeez, oh, I don't know. I take fourth now and hope, hope to God someone wins the cup. Because <laughs> I just don't see it coming at the moment, lads. Yeah. No, I, 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 I genuinely do think both those teams will drop a lot of points. I don't want to be too critical of Rory Higgins or underestimating what he's doing up there because I was, I praised him for the job he's done so far. But I do think he's got that bit of Kevin Keegan mentality where he's come in and jared them all up for six months and they all buy into what he's doing, and then it kind of just all drops off. Then you know, there's nothing there tactically as such that it's all just a lot of goodwill and a lot of, you know, build all the lads up, tell them they're all fantastic. And then it just kind of plateaus after that. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, well, that, uh, that's we're really bad. But we're, we're bad, but they're worse. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. Like that's what we need someone to come in and fucking G us up. That's what we need. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we do. We do need to kick just us up in the room. Yeah. We um, do need to kick up the hole. There's not two ways about uh, that. Yeah, yeah. We need Donald Kelly uh, with a shout from the shed end, you know. Yeah. Um, or Magoo with a bit of emotion. Right, okay, listen, I think um, we've 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 ploughed through that for uh, enough for the moment. I, I think I probably said that the game is on uh, Saturday night a number of times throughout the podcast. It's not. It's on Friday evening um, or Friday night. And uh, yeah, here's to, I suppose, a, a, a good atmosphere to try and light a couple of fires under the team and get them in a positive frame of mind. Um, so if you're going along to the game, if you're one of the 2000 or so, um, make plenty of noise. And um, I hope it's a better night than uh, what it is on Wednesday, the 8th of September, as we record in the piss and rain. I don't know if you can hear the raindrops pitter-pattering on my shed uh, roof, but um, yeah. Okay, listen, uh, we wrap it up. Um, fair play, lads, for organising... Uh, an excellent event in the White Hag last Saturday. Uh, a bit of um, a bit of self. You organised no, it too. Ah, yeah, I know, but you know, 
Somebody has to, runner. somebody has to, you know, when I say ye, I mean all of us, including Magoo, okay. who couldn't be with the, us. The royal ye. Yeah, the royal ye, yeah. Magoo is still out. Uh, and um, <laughs> many thanks to, and thanks a million to, to everybody who did come along and who purchased the ticket. Um, like we know now that you had a great time and we were delighted that um, we could we could do that. And um, hopefully we'll do it again in the future. So uh, get your shouts in the shed end in after the Pats game and um, hopefully we'll have some positive, um, something positive to look back on. So uh, on that note, Dunner, thanks a million. Cheers, lads. Uh, Jerry O'Connor, thank you. Cheers, Connor. Magoo, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll chat to you next week. Hey!